Dateline, a long time ago. Galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic were spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the ninth episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Bombad Jedi. I'm your host, Michael Cohen, and joining me this week once again is Steve Glosson. Say hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so thank you for, for joining me to uh, to talk about the episode Bombad Jedi. Well, you know, I'm, an episode. I'm excited to because, uh, as you know, I'm a Jar Jar supporter. Um, I really, I, I don't see the problem with Jar Jar. I don't see why everyone, I can, I mean, I guess I do see why people hate on him, but I feel like that he is not the bane to Star Wars that most people think that he is. He's been, he's and really I, been treated as an albatross and he's not. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on that, which is why I had to have you on the podcast for this episode. Cause, uh, cause I'm a Jar Jar fan as well. I have been since since uh, his first picture in the Star Wars Insider when I first saw him I was like that guy looks interesting so so uh, I've always been a fan it was the first action figure that I bought when the episode 1 action figures came out I so. hear you so I've I've always been a big Jar Jar fan big Jar Jar supporter well now let's so. be honest when, when the action figure came out you really didn't know what to expect out of Jar Jar no I had I no mean, idea I mean to look at the character he could have been the next Chewbacca yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what everybody was expecting from him, that he was the tall alien sidekick, which he was. So. And he wore a vest. <laughs> that wore a vest. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's get right into it. Let's get into some news. Uh, first piece of news I've got here is uh, Samuel L. Jackson is receiving the 2008 American Cinema Tech Award from AMC. Which is the uh, American movies classic movie classics channel that uh, that in the states and Canada we have that channel. I don't. Know, I've got some international listeners, and they probably don't know what AMC is. But uh, they they award this once a year to. Uh, let's see. I've got this written down. Uh, every year, the the American Cinematheque in LA awards an extraordinary artist who has made a significant contribution to the motion picture arts. On Monday, December 1st, George Lucas presented Samuel Jackson with the 23rd Annual American Cinema Tech Award. So, it's pretty exciting that he uh, is getting an award for being, uh, well, Sam Jackson. Well, if anyone in uh, this not- world deserves an award, it's the hardest working man in showbiz today, Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, I mean, definitely. He is, he is the man. So. Yeah, he's uh, he's in pretty much everything as as they show in that uh, that one episode of uh, Family Guy, where uh, where Brian's directing the uh, adult film, and <laughs> and Sam Jackson makes a little cameo, but uh, but yeah, so that's pretty cool because because I uh, I mean we all know he's Mace Windu, uh, in in the uh, prequel trilogy, but he also played Mace Windu or at least the voice of Mace Windu in the Clone Wars films, so. So that's kind of cool to have somebody. Actually, we, uh, this is this is kind of like the awards uh, news roll episode because I've got I have two other sort of awards news p- 
posts uh, in this in this episode as well. So it's cool to see all the Clone Wars uh, alumni who's been involved get uh, get recognized. Yeah, I uh, agree with that. So it's it's pretty cool, especially. I mean, th- this isn't this isn't one of the the biggest awards. Right. It's not like uh, like one of the AFI ones or or like an Academy Award or anything like that. But it is still. Uh, this is from people who know what they're talking about, right? The American Cinematheque, they, they're all about movies. Uh, that's, that's all they care about. It's it's a lot less politics because it's not around uh, an award show or something like that. When they award stuff like this, I think it's a, it means a little bit more, and it's it's more about a body of work rather than just one, one achievement, which which is what a lot of awards that we focus on are awarded for. So. So it's pretty cool. Uh, and you can catch that on AMC if you get AMC on December 9th. And George Lucas will be on that. So so that's pretty exciting. And I think C-3PO and R2 will be on it as well. But uh, Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so so check that out. Uh, out? Did you say out? out? I'm sorry. Check it out. I'm sorry, I'm staying on track. Sorry, I'm staying on track. <laughs> staying on track. Okay. Uh, second piece of news. Uh, Clone Wars has been nominated for two Annie Awards, which it's the Animation Awards. This, these are awards given out to uh, just anybody who, who does any sort of animated uh, entertainment. So it, it includes animated films, uh, both 3D and classical 2D animation, um, short films, TV shows, uh, even right down to commercials. So like Best Animated Commercial uh, is one of the categories. Uh, and the two Clone Wars uh, crew members that, that have been nominated are Kevin Kiner for music in an animated television production or short form, which uh, was for the Clone Wars, and and Ahmed Best. This is this is appropriate considering this is our Jar Jar episode. So Ahmed Best got nominated for the voice of Jar Jar Binks, uh, which it's it, the uh, the award is is best voice in a in a television program. Um, in an animated television program. And that was from... Uh, well, you know, can I just say it is so fitting that Ahmed Bass is getting some type of decent recognition for his portrayal of Jar Jar in any in any form. Well, that's... I mean, he, he is, he's embraced it. He has run mm-hmm. with it, you know, and and I, th- I feel like he's gotten crapped on by the fans, uh, some of the more vocal negative fans unfairly yeah definitely and and i think he should be commended for his work that he's done he's done an outstanding job in the movies and with his voice work uh, you know with his stuff in the even the first robot chicken star Wars. yeah you know but in the second one as well and then of course in the episode we'll be talking about tonight well i haven't seen the second robot chicken star wars yet which is what he's been nominated for so i don't know uh, i don't know i i can't speak to how how well he portrayed jar jar in this one because we don't get Cartoon Network up here, and uh, the cartoon channel that we have, Teletoon, uh, in Canada, hasn't aired the the Star Wars episode two, the Robot Chicken episode two. Right. So, right. Uh, so I haven't seen it yet, and Cartoon Network won't let me view it on their website, and I've just I've yet to go about nefarious means to acquire an, the copy of this episode. So, but I'm sure that he was just as good as he was in the first one, because because uh, he was pretty funny in the first one. So, I'm trying to remember what his role in this one was. Um, 
I, and I can't I can't remember where he came into play, but it was, mm. you know, the first one of course was he showed up with Darth Vader on the start. Yeah, board. yeah, as the uh, as the spirit. I'm all spiky yeah. glowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was uh, it was pretty funny, and uh, you know it's it's cool to see him get recognized in a format where he's sort of poking fun at it, where where he can say I know that the fans might not necessarily like Jar Jar Binks, but. I like Jar Jar Binks, so I'm going to keep playing him. You know, like it's a uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah yeah. It's just cool to see him back up the character like that to back up his performance, right? Because because uh, yes. a lot of it was him. I mean, if you watch the behind the scenes stuff on the episode one, you can see a lot of like he has like the the Jar Jar Binks head attached to the top of his head, like the Jar Jar Binks head hat. Yeah, yeah. And he did all the stand on set for all of the filming, so it really is his character. Well, he did all the mocap. Yeah. He did. I mean, he just he he poured everything that he had into that, you know. And I think, and and I and and you've made this point in a discussion we've had before, that you know maybe lost to the rest of the world, <laughs> that you know the one thing Star Wars has done, even with the prequels especially, is as they have aged. Now, Phantom Menace being almost ten years old at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, they they've become more well accepted. People have kind of cooled off. They they've stopped slamming them. They've started to more, you know, a lot of the a lot of the haters have started to sit back and just kind of stop the grumbling. Yeah. And and so so Ahmed is now beginning, I think, to be appreciated more by the fans. I just heard the guys over at, and I don't want to plug any podcast, but my own on your podcast, <laughs> but the Vortex podcast, who are some good friends mm-hmm. of of my podcast, Geek Out Loud. They did a whole episode on Phantom Menace, and they had a 13-year-old guy on there with them. They had another guy who'd never watched any of the Star Wars, any Star Wars, uh, talking to them, and um, and then they had you know the host of the show who he he's a big Star Wars mm-hmm. fan, and those two guys that had never seen any Star Wars enjoyed the Phantom Menace. They liked they and they were looking forward to watching the other mm-hmm. five. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think that you get a lot of that with with the younger crowd, which which a lot of people use that almost in a derivative manner. That it's like, or I I don't know if derivative manner is what I mean, but uh, but you know what I mean. Like like they try and take people down by saying, yeah, well, kids really like it, but that's because they have no they have no uh, reference point for the original movies, and and I think that you can turn that point around on the old fans, the older fans. And say maybe you hold the old movies into higher regard, not from. I mean, I have a Star Wars podcast for God's sake, you know. Like, <laughs> it doesn't get much more fanatical than me. And I can say, you know, like, kind of take a step back. It, they they are movies. There's no, like, they're not so sacrosanct that that you can't just sort of take a step back and and take them for what they are. Like, it's it's. Making new movies, making a new TV show, making video games and comic books and action figures and everything doesn't do anything to lessen the original trilogy. And that seems to be the attitude of a lot of the older fans is that the Clone Wars really brings down the whole Star Wars franchise. And I, and I don't think it does. I mean, they... No, I don't, I don't either. They're obviously not watching the show because if they were, they'd know that if anything, it just flushes it out and adds more to the entire Star Wars universe. So... That was our that was our first off topic tangent. So we'll we'll. That's true. Well, I, I just feel like 
that it, it's such a good thing mm-hmm. that Ahmed is getting recognized in some way, shape, or form. Definitely, I, I, he deserves it. It is, it is, it is about time, and you know, uh, good on you, Ahmed Best. Good on you. Definitely, definitely. Okay, uh, and our next piece of news is the last piece of awards news. Uh, George Lucas is to be the recipient of the Lincoln Medal. Uh, and and me, and me and Steve have talked about this already, and, and it's kind of, um, we, we don't really know what the Lincoln Medal is all about. Uh, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. But uh, but it, it, it it's awarded, let's see, I've got it written down here as well. Uh, awarding the Lincoln Medal, which the board said honors accomplishments that exemplify the character and lasting legacy of Lincoln. And, uh, and George Lucas is receiving that. So uh, you being the American and me being the Canadian, why, why don't you, you give your opinion on, or your interpretation of what the ex- exemplifying the character and lasting legacy of Lincoln <laughs> means? Well, you know, Abraham Lincoln, for most people, his legacy is that he freed the slaves when slavery was still... Um, an issue in America, but more than that, and, and not that that's not a huge deal, mm-hmm. but the truth of the matter is, if you look at American history and the way things were at that moment in history, when Lincoln wrote the Emancipation Proclamation, or signed the Emancipation Proclamation, it had no effect on the southern states, because they were officially seceded mm-hmm. from the rest of the United States of America. They were now the Confederate States of America. So, honestly, it didn't do much until after the Civil War here in America had ended here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And and what his real legacy is as a president of these United States is that he, he had a vision that he would not let the Union be split in two. And that was his goal, was to keep this country together. And, and he did that. And, you know, and of course, then once things were back together, the proclamation stood uh, for the southern states as well. Mm-hmm. And so he has this huge legacy, and uh, George Lucas made Star Wars. <laughs> there you go. So, so George Lucas, <laughs> yeah. Well, Star Wars is also a lasting legacy. That's that's definitely part of it. And and I mean, a lot of the the things that Lincoln stood for are uh, are themes throughout Star Wars. Uh, themes of freedom and and uh, I mean, obviously, Anakin was a slave, and then he gets freed, and and the galactic civil war and and all these sorts of things are are kind of parallel to american and and i mean world history it's not just american history that george lucas yeah parallels. well i think so i think that the thing with lucas's legacy is, as it pertains to star wars mm-hmm. is that when the original trilogy first began back in 1977 um in america especially it was just a dark time you know we were on the we were on the on the tail end of, or we just come out of the Vietnam War, which gave this country so much unrest and so much um, disillusionment mm-hmm. to, to, you know, on all levels of leadership and, and and the people, and and throughout the '70s, you had all kinds of disaster movies. Everything kind of had a dark tone to it, a dark slant. And here comes George Lucas mm-hmm. with this space opera where good and evil are clearly defined. Good triumphs over evil. Kids love it. Teenagers love it. Adults love it. And it just, you know, I'm not saying that Star Wars brought the nation together, but I am saying that Star Wars started a movement 
to bring people back to, you know, the, there is hope. There is, mm. you know, it, it is a great morality tale, and it, and it affected a nation. There was not one person who in 1980 didn't know what you meant when you said, Luke, I'm your father. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how big a deal it was, and, and it invades our culture to this day. President Ronald Reagan um, constantly referred to Star Wars multiple times. He even called his uh, missile defense project Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You had uh, John McCain back in 2000. He ran uh, the first time he ran for president of the United States. He he compared himself in his campaign to uh, Luke Skywalker, you know, blowing up the Death Star. So you know, it's it's something that is ingrained in our culture. It's ingrained not just in the American culture, in the worldwide culture. And so you know, mm-hmm. as far as leaving a legacy is concerned. Lucas has done it, you know, and, and, and I, you know, we can joke about, yeah, Abraham Lincoln held a country together, freed the slaves, George Lucas made Star Wars, but the truth is, if you look at the <laughs> terminology, someone with a lasting legacy, and yeah. that sort of, I mean, and Lucas has that uh, more than, more than a lot of people, more, more than just about any filmmaker can, can say. Definitely, definitely. I mean, like, he's, he's changed the way that movies are made. Because uh, previous to the seventies, uh, movies were made in a very, very different environment, and and control was very different. And I mean, definitely on the side of marketing. Anybody who knows anything about the the real life history of Star Wars and and how the movie got made and how how he got the funding, uh, and then how he turned it into a merchandising 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 empire. Yeah, moi- merchandise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, he he really revolutionized revolutionized things, and uh, and changed the way that that people make movies today. And and I mean, you wouldn't have movies like like Transformers or I don't know what's something else big that's coming. You, you wouldn't have um, you wouldn't have any of the great superhero movies we've had in the past decade. Yeah, definitely. were it not for George Lucas, you wouldn't have Superman Returns. You wouldn't have Batman Begins. You wouldn't have. Um, Man, you wouldn't have the Star Trek franchise be what it was were it not for George Lucas. I know that Trekkies don't like to hear that, but George <laughs> Lucas attributed all due credit to Star Trek for mm-hmm. for showing people that space can be something cool and fun. But in the time that Star Wars comes back out, you know, beyond that time, you look at who did all the effects for the various mm-hmm. movies. ILM, ILM. And um, yeah. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's awesome, but it, it changed the way people looked at how you approach even making movies, even on the even on the side of editing, and the way movies are edited. Yeah. You know, Lucas Lucas revolutionized a lot of things. You, I don't, uh, Michael. I tell you, I don't think you'd have music videos done the way they are today, were it not for not for George Lucas and Star Wars. You know, I mean, he gave you those quick six, seven-second cuts. You watch a Star when the longest single shot you have without cutting away, it comes in Revenge of the Sith in Episode Three, as you follow the Jedi starfighters through the battle. Mm-hmm. Most cuts in Star Wars, most most shots are seven to ten seconds long, mm-hmm. and it's just a quick 
cut so that you never it's very ADD, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it, definitely. And, it, and that's one of the things that helps keep your attention is the constantly shifting motif of that and the, the way it was edited. Nothing had been edited that way before, you mm-hmm. know. And so, I, yeah, I mean, the man's definitely left a legacy, and, I, and he's obviously any award or honor that's bestowed upon him. I really think Lucas deserves, you know. And I don't want to, I don't want to come off as too much of a what we call in the wrestling world a mark. But I mean, <laughs> uh, serious business. I mean, the guy is—he's deserving. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, our last piece of news for for this episode is about uh, a a whole bunch of movie memorabilia, but most notably Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, uh, the hands and head of C three PO, and uh, some Indiana Jones merchandise or uh, props, I should say, uh, going on sale. Um, and when, when me and Steve had originally talked about this, uh, <laughs> he, he asked me for my estimated bid on, on what this, what these items would go for. And, and I was way off. I could not have been more <laughs> off. Uh, I was, I was about, you know, like a hundred thousand dollars off. So, <laughs> and where was I, where was I? Uh, I, I think that, I think that you were, you were closer than me. <laughs> I, I sure was. I, in fact, I think I was pretty much dead. Yeah, all. yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so Luke's lightsaber, and this is the one, his hero lightsaber, for, which for those of you not in the uh, in the the film know, uh, a hero prop is the uh, the prop that they would use for close ups, uh, anything where they have to get in tight, because a lot of the time, um, when you when you get a long shot or a wide shot the the props will be made out of different materials especially if it's a movie with a lot of stunts so they'll they'll make rubber versions and and less detailed versions that can get broken in case they get broken so that you still have the hero lightsaber which is the one that you see in all of the close-ups so this is this is like the the iconic lightsaber of luke skywalker that uh that obi-wan hands to him that was was his father's lightsaber so uh, this this is expected to go for between one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and and I would imagine it'll go for over two hundred thousand. So there you go. I mean, I I really wish I had that kind of money so that I could uh, I could I could own that. <laughs> but you know what? It's probably better that I don't because I if I ever won that auction, I would get that and. And it would not go on display. It wouldn't go anywhere. I would clip it to my belt, and I would walk around with it everywhere I go. <laughs> and and you can let's be honest, you can spend a hundred bucks on a master replicas. <laughs> yeah, do that. yeah, you you so. can. And it looks just as you good. Can. But this is Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, and and you know, indeed, indeed, you're in a dark alley, some some nefarious looking guys, and you pull out Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. I think they're running the other way. That's what I think. That's so. true. I mean, they should. If they don't, they, they should. should. Yeah. So, uh, so as well as as that, those uh, Star Wars items. There's also uh, Indiana Jones fedora from uh, the Temple of Doom and his machete from Temple of Doom. So, and those aren't those aren't really expected to go for quite as much, but still more than uh, more than I thought the lightsaber would go for originally so i'm surprised i'm surprised that the machete from temple of doom is expected to go for more than the fedora from temple definitely doom. yeah yeah because that says the fedora and the whip from from the temple of doom. oh yeah sorry it's the fedora and the whip 
Yeah. Yeah, you would expect it. But you know what? You never know because you have to sort of see it. It kind of depends on the condition, right? Um, That's true. Because you never know. The, the whip might be. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some stupid stuff go for ungodly amounts of money just because it was Trek merchandise. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, so we'll. I'll, I'll keep an eye on this. Uh, the, the auction is being held on December 11th. So probably in the next episode or maybe the episode after that, I'll have uh, – I'll have a follow-up on just how much these items went for. Um, and I'm sure that they will be ridiculous numbers that we can't fathom at this current date. Because somebody, maybe maybe somebody who's listening right now is like, oh, I've got a, I've got a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting around. I'll, uh, I'll bid. And if you, if you do have that kind of money sitting around, uh, how come you're not sponsoring my podcast? That's what I have to say. Because so you should, you should sponsor my podcast and then I, uh, I'll have money. That's really the only reason that you would sponsor my podcast. <laughs> I can't help you. I can't. I've got nothing to sponsor your podcast with. I hear you. I can give you a shout out on okay. Geek Out Loud, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that's our news for this episode. Um, let's get into the recap for uh, the episode Bomb Bad Jedi. Our episode starts over the planet Rodia, where Senator Padme Amidala, accompanied by C-3PO and Representative Jar Jar Binks, is on her way to discuss relief efforts for the Outer Rim world. However, Chancellor Palpatine is not pleased with her actions, insisting that she should have brought a clone escort, but Padme argues that she is on a mission of peace and that not all crises should be solved with clone troopers. Attempting to assist Padme in convincing the Supreme Chancellor, Jar Jar accidentally to plummet towards the planet, forcing Padme to take the controls. Once the ship is safely back on course, Chancellor Palpatine suggests that perhaps only those qualified for diplomatic missions should attend the meeting. She agrees. On the planet's surface, Padme asks Jar Jar to stay on the ship to watch after 3PO. Jar Jar reluctantly agrees, and Padme goes to meet with An- Onaconda Far, an old family friend, who she refers to as Uncle Ono. Far is displeased with the Republic, who has failed to aid Rhodia during these times of war. Padme urges Far to be patient, but it's too late. He's already, he has already made a deal with Newt Gunray, one of the Separatist leaders, to join the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Under the Separatist protection, they'll receive supplies and protection they need in exchange for Senator Amidala. Padme pleads with him to reconsider, but as she does, a squad of battle droids appear to take her into custody. Not one to give up, she attempts to contact 3PO on the ship, but is restrained by the droids. Back at the ship, 3PO and Jar Jar are attempting communication with the planet's local wildlife. 3PO isn't having much luck, but Jar Jar insists that they're swamp dwellers just like him. Calling out into the swamp, the Gungan is met with a less-than-friendly reply in the form of a massive loogie right in in 3PO's face. Just then, the hangar doors open, revealing a squad of battle droids. In his attempt to flee, Jar Jar accidentally activates a large magnetic hoist, catching 3PO and swinging him across the hangar and into the battle droids. But they're not out of this yet. A crab droid scuttles into the hangar and attacks Jar Jar, who ends up flung onto the back of the droid as it bucks itself backwards off the platform. Could this be the end of Jar Jar Binks? Don don don. Well, no, Michael, no, it's not. Pulling himself back up. Jar Jar makes his ways over to the controls and releases 3PO from the hoist, sending him crashing to the floor. 
The protocol droid is not pleased, and Jar Jar replies that he saved the droid, leaning on the control panel, activating the hoist once more, and smashing it through the nose of their ship. Inside what's left of the ship, 3PO suggests calling for reinforcements. Pushing the first button he can find, Jar Jar reveals a Jedi cloak in the closet. Realizing that battle droids could mean Padme has been captured, Jar Jar grabs the cloak, thinking it will be the perfect disguise. Elsewhere, Padme is locked in a detention cell. Far asks if chaining her up is absolutely necessary, but Padme replies that it's the separatist way. His assistant then reports to Newt Gunray, or reports... <clears throat> I'll start that sentence over. His assistant then reports that Newt Gunray is about to land. Far leaves to prepare for Gunray's arrival. The Nemoidian shuttle arrives, and Gunray, along with more battle droids, disembarks. Far greets him, but the Viceroy is only concerned with his prize, insisting he takes them to her at once. Far reveals that she is being held in the detention tower. Jar Jar and 3PO overhear this, just before they're spotted by the droids, who mistake him for a Jedi. Running from the droids, Jar Jar escapes through a floor grate into the swamp below. Gunray orders the battle droids to take 3PO to be dismantled and to find the Jedi. Back in her cell, Padme picks the locks on her chains, uh, and tricks the battle droids into thinking the mysterious Jedi has come to rescue her. Using their confusion to her advantage, she steals one of their guns and escapes. On her way back to the ship, she comes across 3PO and rescues him from the battle droids. She inquires as to the whereabouts of the Jedi, and 3PO reveals that the Separatists have mistaken Jar Jar for a Jedi Knight. He then reveals that they can't call for help either uh, because the ship has been destroyed. And Padme first suspect it was battle droids, then she realizes it was Jar Jar. And that is a great moment between those two, by the way. She tells 3PO to find a way to send a distress signal while she finds Jar Jar. Elsewhere, Jar Jar has awakened something in the swamp. It's a giant swamp slug called the Quasal Maw. Pulling himself out of the water, he recovers the Jedi cloak and begins scaling the tower to rescue Padme. Approaching the detention cell, Gunray and Senator Farr discuss Padme's fate. Gunray reveals that she is to be executed. This was not part of the deal. Padme was right. Now they can only appease Gunray and hope that the Jedi can rescue them all. As Jar Jar makes it to the top of the tower, he overhears the battle droids report that Padme has escaped. Unable to hold his tongue, he reveals himself to the droids who open fire. The Gungan loses his grip, plummeting to the ground, but his foot is tangled in one of the vines, causing him to slowly descend to the floor, where he once again escapes into the swamp. Just then, Padme catches up with them and engages the battle droids. Under the surface, the droids have begun dropping thermal detonators into the swamp. Jar Jar flees, but a super battle droid fires a homing missile into the water below. Trying to escape, Jar Jar runs into the giant slug again. Caught between the missile and the monster, Jar Jar is swallowed by the slug just as the missile explodes. Back on the surface, 3PO has found a communications room and tricks the droid guards into leaving to look for the Jedi. He contacts a Republic ship on a secure channel, but the battle droids return before he can finish. Back underwater, the Quasimaw spits out Jar Jar, having protected him from the missile. Apparently, the Quasima is uh, indestructible and uh, can withstand the force of a homing missile. <laughs> Jar Jar then decides that the so. slug is his new friend. Up above, 3PO has been brought to Padme's side when the two are, where the two are to be executed. Thankfully, and I, let me say this again, thankfully, Jar Jar arrives. There are so many people cringing at this statement <laughs> and, and chunking their iPods. 
back in his Jedi cloak to rescue the two. He waves his hands in front of them, ordering them to release the senator. <laughs> Trying the old Jedi mind trick. Gunray orders the droids to attack, but Jar Jar summons the Quasal Maul, who appears and destroys the battle droids and pushes Gunray's shuttle into the swamp. Meanwhile, Padme is captured. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, got, okay. I got so into it. I got <laughs> so, so into it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Padme has captured Gunray. Gunray orders Far to kill the Jedi as well as Padme, but Far refuses. Realizing Far's regained alliance, Padme gives him the opportunity to do the right thing. The two then take Gunray under arrest as a Republic cruiser arrives. Still mistaking the Gungan for a Jedi, Far thanks Master Bombad for his assistance. Via Holonet, Chancellor Palpatine also congratulates Jar Jar and promises that the Republic is already on its way with a relief effort. Okay, so that was the episode Bombad Jedi, which uh, I greatly enjoyed. As for... did I. As I totally enjoyed it. Yeah, because because uh, this is this is sort of exactly what I was expecting from a Jar Jar centric episode, where it was uh, it's. It's goofy, but I mean, it, it's still, it's got its points. I mean, it's still, it's still a good episode, uh, story-wise and plot-wise, the same as, as a lot of the other ones. I mean, this is probably, uh, especially for the ones, like, minus all of the Jedi and, like, a less action-packed episode, um, like, a more comedy-based one. This is, this is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I would probably oh, uh, only yeah. put, like, rookies and, uh... And uh, and it's parts of parts of that the uh, malevolent saga were pretty good, but uh, but this has some really great moments, especially for for those few of us who are Jar Jar fans. Well, I don't think we're that few anymore, to be honest with you. I think that we have just the the unsilent minority uh, has kind of silenced the majority, and I think that people are starting to come out of the woodwork saying, "What's the big deal?" You know, um, this this cartoon episode drew on a classic motif of action-adventure cartoons, and that is where the bumbling lesser character comes through, sometimes through no fault of his own, but by the end of the episode has really stepped up and is actually doing some things right now. And it is a, like, it's, it's something that I remember watching from way back when on Saturday mornings with episodes of the Super Friends where Gleek would come through... <laughs> to episodes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends where, you know, the, the, who, you know, the, the nerd that they met that, that week would come through to episodes of the Transformers mm -hmm. where it would be Bumblebee and Spike saving the day, yeah. you know, and this is, I, I really like episode to those things because of, of just how goofy Jar Jar was, but in the end, I mean, when he steps out and he's waving his hand, you know, acting as though he's doing the Jedi mind trick, you're thinking, wow, what an idiot, but he's got a plan. Mm -hmm. Jar Jar didn't step out there with, with, with no plan at this point. He, he had a plan. He knew that he had the slug on his side, mm -hmm. you know, and he knew that he knew how to communicate with it, and he, and he was ready. You know, it was, he was using the element of surprise. So you see that Jar Jar, though he may be clumsy, is not a fool. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that. I really appreciated that out of this episode. Now, there were some great comedy bits uh, from the way that he, he said 3PO's name. 
C3CO <laughs> or C3O and <laughs> and and 3PO's up on the magnet at that one point. And Jar Jar's like, "Me to help you 3CO." And he says, "You know, it's 3PO." It just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like in dire straits. He's like, "I must correct you. It's 3PO." Well, and oh. then and then the scene between 3PO and Padme, you know, mm-hmm. where she, he's like, I'm afraid the ship's been destroyed. She says, battle droids? No, ma'am. Jar Jar? Jar Jar. You know, it was just the timing and the, and the delivery were great. Yeah, well, I, I think that, that what this episode has that, that maybe episode one didn't have for Jar Jar's character was, uh, was the straight man in C-3PO, right? Because you've got... Jar Jar being absolutely ridiculous at times and and just totally off the wall obnoxious and and it's not really funny until the camera flips over to 3PO who has his straight man you know it's just his totally dry sarcastic remark you know and it, yeah, it's it's yeah. sort of the perfect pairing that we didn't have in episode one where Jar Jar was part of a two-man comedy duo and there was just him all by himself so so I think yeah, I, that is you know, and that's probably in one of the best points I've ever heard about Jar Jar, is that Jar Jar is one half, and you said it best. He's one half of that two man comedy duo, and he mm-hmm. didn't have a straight man in episode one. The other strength of this episode is yet another new world that we get to visit, in in the world of Rodia. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've never been to Rodia. We're familiar with the uh, species, if for no other reason than Greedo. <laughs> And I mean, you know, I mean, that's he is one of the first aliens that really or the alien type species that really interact with humans. I mean, the Jawas did it. The sand people attacked. But here's the first one. You really understand what's going on on their side of the conversations mm-hmm. because of, number one, Harrison Ford's acting against him, but also the, the subtitles there at the bottom of the screen. And. And and so for the longest time in my mind, Rodians were always bad guys. Yeah. You know, as a kid growing up, any anytime I saw something like that, and you see a few in Jabba's palace, you see another one in A New Hope walking around after they've uh, left the cantina. But uh, you know, then and then in Episode One, we saw Anakin's little friend that was a Rodian. There's a cut scene from Episode One where Anakin's beating the snot out of Greedo because Greedo called him a cheater. Yeah. Um. But we've never been able to see this home world. And, and I just think that, you know, one of the strengths of this creative crew and one of the strengths of the makers of Star Wars in general, George Lucas and his team, was that no two planets look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you were on each, you know, it, it wasn't, and, and this is what I always bust Trekkie's chops with, is that, yeah, every planet on Star Trek looks yeah. the same. The sky might be a different color, but I guarantee you the landscape's going to be rocky. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, and um, and they have to give me that mm-hmm. point. And and so here's a neat kind of swampy planet, and they live in these dome things, and you kind of get the sense that you know if you can watch the background a little bit, you can kind of see what it takes to live in this type of environment. You know, they're not cut off from the rest of that planet the dome things are probably for protection from the big creatures that live in mm-hmm. the swamp i.e the quasal mall yeah. and uh and so i just thought that was neat to finally get to see you know yet another new planet in in the in the planet of Rodeo. yeah well and it's not it's not uh so far out that it's like this ridiculous new planet it's sort of uh 
a twist on on things that we've seen before which is something that they've done a lot in the series because it's very similar uh in and I guess it's it's function as uh, as Oda Gunga on Naboo, which is where Jar Jar is from. Uh, in that it's right. it's very like I mean, they're swamp dwellers, so so obviously their aesthetics are going to be somewhat similar. Um, and you've kind of got the same bubble form to everything, but at the same time, uh, Oda Gunga is underground underwater, uh, completely submersed, and and on Rodia we have the city above the water like floating on the surface almost like uh so and it's it's floating there by itself it's almost like a lily pad in the middle of of a pond and uh, and then the rodians just live on top of that and build up from that and 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 the architecture was really unique to like it, it had the same star wars feel that we get with other planets in star wars but it was definitely unique to rodia where we can now say you know if they if they did a quick five second blip like they do in episode three of all those different planets you could pick out rhodia from from the five second clips yep. based on what we've seen now and yep. and i think that's a really amazing thing that they managed to do with star wars whether it be in the movies or uh in in the tv show or any of the stuff that they've done um i mean thankfully we've yet to see the junkyard planet which i uh, which anybody who plays Star Wars video games is is going to agree that that's kind of overdone, because because uh, <laughs> you've got it in Shadows of the Empire, uh, you've got it in a couple levels throughout Wasn't the Dark, Dark Forces Force games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw because there's like there's like three Dark Forces games, and yep. and there's a junkyard planet in each one, oh. uh, and then you've got two junkyard planets in the fourth. Thank oh, really, yeah. Thankfully, we haven't seen that yet in. Uh, in the Clone Wars, but I almost guarantee we will, because it's a, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a theme, a Star Wars theme. Well, and you've got to have a planet. place where you can bring in a, a Dianoga or however you say the name of the trash compactor monster. <laughs> yeah, 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 and uh, and some some scavengers, and uh, yeah, all those types, Jawas, more places for Jawas to show up. Well, there's we we've got ninety some odd episodes to go, buddy. So I'm sure we'll. Yeah, this is just uh, this is just scratching the surface, and really, like in the greater scheme of things, even if you're not a Jar Jar fan, is this one episode out of a hundred really like that big of a pockmark in the uh, in the Clone Wars legacy? Even if they do, let's say, let's say they do one of these a season, and we've got we've got five seasons because they're going to be around probably more like four seasons because they're going to be around twenty two plus episodes uh per season so we've probably got about four four and a half seasons uh of the show and if they do one episode about jar jar every season that's only going to be four maybe five episodes about jar jar is that really that big of a deal for for the jar jar haters to complain about i don't think it is considering how great the rest of the series has been so I don't know. oh I, yeah i totally agree with you and and what this does and people may not may or may not realize is this is actually setting up for the events in at least the next episode, if not the next couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, this episode in itself, aside from the Jar Jar aspect, has a really great plot that that parallels the Lando Calrissian story in Empire Strikes Back, where you you see sort of the same situation arise again, where. Uh, somebody who you think is an ally, who you think is a friend, 
is just doing what's best for their people because they've been appointed to to a position of authority and they're responsible for like uh, uh, Anaconda Far is responsible for the people of Rodia, not just one little colony on Bespin, but the entire planet. I mean, he's he's responsible for everyone and. Well, and beyond that, you find that they they had supply ships that were attacked by pirates. That was in, um, they mentioned it briefly in some of the dialogue in the actual episode, mm-hmm. but StarWars.com is doing official Holonet News podcast now that will update uh, every so often. There's not a definite <laughs> time period for them to update, but in the last one, it was a big news flash about the pirate uh, ships attacking the, the the supply ships for Rhodia, yeah, and how Rhodia, how nothing was being done in the Senate, and you had comments from different senators and that sort of thing, and so the frustration of this political posturing is keeping my people, you know, from from being helped, yeah, just frustrated on a kind of far to the point that, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go to these people that have promised me help. I'm going to turn to the separatists because obviously they can do more for me than you can. Mm-hmm. And and so you kind of see why he would do this, and he's sucked in by their lies. You know, do, this is something Dooku's obviously very good at and, and skilled at. We saw him do that in the movie with uh, Jabba. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw him twist the truth with Jabba, so... You know, when it comes down to Newt Gunray, he's just got this vendetta against Padme. Yeah. Because of the events of Episode 1. And that's another thing I liked about this, is because the the Rodian's fate paralleled what was going on in Episode 1, mm-hmm. with all of this stuff being held up in the Senate and all of this stuff being talked about in the Senate while people were suffering and dying, you know, you had the real-life thing, that, and they were willing to do whatever it took. And that really mirrored what Padme went through in Episode yeah. 1. You know, and then of course the whole Newt Gunray coming back around. You know, of course in Episode Two he was all gunning to kill her and that sort of thing, but it's because of the events in Episode One. So, I think it fit. I think it was fitting that this was a Jar Jar Padme centric episode, if for no other reason than because of the, the blip. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just it it shows how skilled the writers are and how they can take not just one storyline and weave it into the Star Wars universe and into the mythos but they take multiple storylines they'll take take two or three storylines throw it into an episode weave those stories together so that they're an episode by itself but then on top of it they they add on to the growing star wars expanded universe and the mythology that comes out of that so it's it's just another example of the show going above and beyond in developing the Star Wars universe so that it's even deeper than it already is. I mean, you can get lost on the internet just reading. You just go to Wikipedia and just start hitting, you just hit the random page button and stuff comes up and you can sit there for hours and just read this stuff. And that's what these guys are adding to. And they're doing it probably the best that anybody has, in my opinion, uh, short of the, you know, new movies coming out with the prequels and stuff. But like, as far as expanded universe with comics and books and video games and now the show, this show is doing the best to seamlessly weave itself into the Star Wars galaxy. Yes, yep. And, well, you know, the, Dave Filoni said when he, be, when he set out to, to make 
to begin the Clone Wars process, George Lucas got heavily involved, and George Lucas has said, I'm teaching you to make Star Wars. And so I think that really lends itself to, to some of the the aspects. They're using old um, uh, concept art by Ralph McQuarrie to develop some things. And so th- these are fans making yeah. this thing, and that's why I trust this show so much. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons it's Definitely. so good. Definitely. Okay, well, I think that that just about covers uh, this this episode for, uh, for, for Bombad Jedi. So let's get into the uh, brief collecting news that I've got here. Um, not, not a lot of news coming out about new figures or statues or anything because we're, uh, we're coming up on Christmas. And uh, for anybody who's ever worked in, in the retail toy uh, business, which, which I have, I mean, I used to work for Toys R Us a, while ago, um, a few years back. So, uh, so I know this stuff pretty well. Uh, the, the period after Christmas is often one of the, the slower periods for new stuff coming out. Um, and then sort of in March is when it, when it really starts to pick back up and you, you start getting new stuff coming out because, uh, all of the, the toy conventions actually start in January and February so that everybody can start doing their buying so that they can purchase stuff for the following Christmas. So the second Christmas is over, everybody's worrying about next Christmas already. Uh, so I don't know what that says about commercialism, but uh, but it says that there's not a lot of collecting news for us right now because everybody's sort of holding holding on to that that news for January and February for the for the toy shows. But I do have one piece which is about these new uh, a new wave of Transformers, which is new uh, except for one figure, which is the Plo Koon Jedi Starfighter, which is a repaint, but. Uh, but the four figures are the Clone Trooper ATTE, uh, the Plo Koon Jedi Starfighter, Clone Pilot V19, and the Clone Trooper V-Wing, which all look like pretty wicked figures. You are the uh, you're you're the bigger collector out of the two of us, though. So so do you collect the the Transformers, Steve? <laughs> um, I I don't do the Star Wars Transformers. It's just uh, mm-hmm. they're a little too expensive for my taste. I stick mostly in the three and three quarter inch scale figures and and some of the accessories and in ships kind of realm is what's in the Star Wars room mostly. Um, I I don't usually have a problem. I don't know. I I also had a problem with crossing the whole Transformers <laughs> and Star Wars lines too a little bit. So. I just I couldn't get on board with it. They look yeah. great when they're in their ship form, but I hate the I hate the finished product. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll agree with that. Um, I think I think that they've gotten a little bit better at it. the The best one that they've ever done uh, that I've had the chance to uh, to check out is I actually own it. It's the uh, the Millennium Falcon that that separates into Han Solo and Chewbacca. And uh, but it's on yeah, it's on yeah. a bigger scale, so they have a little bit more freedom to. Uh, to sort of I make it make it a more sturdy figure but uh but I do have a few of the other ones I mean I have the X-Wing and I have I have Darth Vader as the his tie fighter uh, cuz they've done about four different Darth Vaders so far and uh I've got I've got Boba Fett and Boba Fett out of the ones that I have has to be the worst he he won't stand on his own you you have to sort of prop him up against other stuff uh, and and I can see that yeah. a lot of the figures, a lot of the Star Wars Transformers tend to be like that, where they're very top heavy. But these ones actually look pretty good. I I like the look of the of the ATTE. 
the clone trooper that transforms. Well, now did you did you clint um, did you collect you know transformers it, back in the day? It sort of it was it was a couple of years before me the whole transformers thing. So my brother was more the transformers guy. Uh, my okay. my oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. Ha- I mean, they had some of the same issues as far as being top heavy and stuff. And so, I, my brother has collected mm-hmm. pretty heavy the Transformers line of the Star Wars stuff, and I've fiddled around with some of his. Mm-hmm. I, I think the ship designs are great. Again, um, it's just when you get them in that robot form, I just yeah. think they look ridiculous, and I just can't bring myself to be a fan. Yeah, I'm just you know I'm just excited about this uh, the V19 clone pilot one because. Any more action for the V19 makes me happy because, like, that, that thing is just so underused. I, I think it's such a great design for a ship, uh, for a fighter. I really would have liked to see more of them in Episode 3. Uh, you didn't see any in Episode 3, which I guess that they're sort of out of service by then or something. But uh, but we've seen them in the Clone Wars series, but not really doing a heck of a lot. We haven't seen them be all that impressive because... They're they're far too busy focusing on uh, on the Jedi starfighters and uh, and on the Y wings in the one episode. But but the V nineteen, I think, because it it sort of it harkens back to the uh, the Imperial shuttle, which but it does it in a in a in a more subtle way than maybe some of the other uh, saga bridging designs that they've done. I've always said that the the episode three clone troopers were kind of pointless because I mean, th- there's really no, there's no real life reason, like a reference for equipment morphing from one piece of equipment into another. They just go through updates. <laughs> and in episode three, you sort of see the helmets halfway between episode two and the stormtrooper helmets. And I've always thought just, from an ergonomic design standpoint and all that sort of stuff, that, that it was kind of silly, uh, which is really just a <laughs> confounded uh, defense for the fact that I like the Clone Troopers from Episode 2 way more. So <laughs> mm. it's really just my excuse. Uh, See, I like the I like the uh, the, the look of the, the Episode 3 Clone Troopers because of how closely it gets to the, it gets the Stormtroopers. <laughs> See, I was never a fan of stormtroopers. That that was kind of my thing. I always kind of, I mean, they were the bad guys, obviously. So, I mean, what's there to be a fan of? They're 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 evil, you know. But I, uh, but when the clone troopers showed up in episode two, I was like, now that's a design I can get behind. And, and I was really, uh, I mean, I'm pretty gung ho about the clone trooper stuff because uh, I I like to collect all of the all the figures where it'll be like like Obi-Wan in, in the Clone Trooper armor. I've actually got the Obi-Wan in Clone Trooper armor mini bust on its way from Gentle Giant that I just got. Oh, wow. Uh, and I have the big $200 statue of that. And I've always been a huge fan of, like, anytime they put out Luke Skywalker or Han Solo in the Stormtrooper armor where you could remove the helmet and and all that stuff, I, I've always loved that stuff. And I, and I try and get my hands on as much of that as possible. But I just, I never, like, not to say that the Stormtrooper design was bad. I just don't like it. It's just not, not my thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but the Episode 2 Clone Trooper design, I can't get enough of. I love it. And the fact that they decided to go with that design for the Clone Wars couldn't make me happier. Although I'm sure that as the series goes on, because, I mean, even in this series, they're sort of bridging the gap by 
giving you Rex and, and Commander Cody who have the episode two clone trooper armor, but it's been modified and specialized for them and we'll see it. I'm sure yeah, we'll see yeah. it evolve. We'll see it go like, I almost guarantee. That's what I'm interested yeah. to see is how they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Show. <laughs> The evolution yeah. of the clone trooper armor. Those little things like that I think is going to be really interesting to see. Well, I would love to see an episode, and I and I would almost guarantee that in season two or three that we'll see an episode where at some point they'll they'll start introducing the episode three armor and, and maybe we'll see I don't know, maybe like the null arcs will show up and, and they'll be the first ones sporting the new armor and everybody'll be like, Ooh, look at the new Mark II armor and they'll they'll all be excited and because if you read any of the expanded universe stuff, the clones tend to be a little bit like that. That's their one point of individuality, uh, except for like changing their hair or growing a beard or whatever or goatee. Um, their armor is really how they differentiate each other. And if you're if you're yeah. that high rank, uh, you get the spiffy armor and that makes you like it just makes you cooler. And, and I mean, I don't think that any of us disagree because those are the figures that sell the best. <laughs> Out of all the action figures, yes. oh so, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, if you played, if you played Republic Commando, there's actually a line that one of the other clone troopers, like, like one of the basic clones of the Republic Commandos, and they're they're like a couple feet right. taller and shiny and silver and and with the glowing T visor and everything. And one of the clone troopers in the first level, you walk by and he's like, "Oh, check it out! It's one of those new Commando clones." they've been talking about and he's all like he's in <laughs> awe because because you're just as opposed to being one of the skinny white armored clone troopers you're this hulking biomechanical clone trooper that that's just that much more impressive yeah, so yeah. so yeah I, and it, God, that just brings up the fact that i hope i hope and if dave filoni knows what he's doing which which i hold that he does know what he's doing but if he knows what he's doing those clone commandos gotta show up in the first season if they don't show up in the first season i will be so disappointed because that's like what i'm waiting for is for the clone commandos to show up scorch in the gang yeah i i oh i love that design too i'm i'm terrible i'm such a design junkie that that i i can't get enough of the different clone (laughs) trooper armor and stuff you know, I haven't even thought about those commandos showing up. That would be pretty cool to see them. I know that there's a lot of people who, like, they're they're fans because they played the video game or they read the books because that's where Karen Travis got her start was through the Republic Commando books. She wrote the first, well, she wrote all of the Republic Commando books, but when she was writing the first Republic Commando, uh, she had to go back and sort of develop the Mandalorian lore behind it, which is what she's pretty much famous for now in the star wars community and uh and there's a lot of fans because karen travis she didn't write star wars before the cl- the commando uh she may have but i don't think so that was the I, first time i, I ever wanna, i don't want to call you out on your own show but <laughs> i you know what but i I'm, i feel like i read some karen travis stuff before i'm i'm gonna um, say i'm almost positive i'm like 95 percent sure that that was her first that was her debut star okay, wars well, i mean listen i I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. Who wrote Truce at Bakura? Uh, I have no idea. I have no okay. idea. I'm not so good with the, with the older stuff. But no, I, I, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it wasn't her. 
because I I remember reading her blog when she first started writing that that stuff, and she was excited about okay. being part of Star Wars. Wikipedia right now. So there you go. I, not going to come on your show. Thank God for the internet. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't go on your show and call you out on anything. You know, if you ever invited me on your show. Let's get to your hate mail. <laughs> Let's get to my hate mail. <laughs> so, Steve, Steve, would you like to do the honors of uh, sure reading to me my first piece of official sure, hate mail? Sure, I'll do. I'll do this. Um, <clears throat> Dear Michael, no, I won't do it in that voice the whole time. <laughs> I, I've written him before, and I'd already told you that I liked your podcast. However, since you started saying you want hate mail. I've been looking for something hateable about it so I could send it to you. At last, you finally gave me something. Way to go, Cohen. Way to give the guy something <laughs> to hate. At the beginning of the last episode, you said it was going to be short because there wasn't much news or anything to discuss, yet you still managed to take up almost a full hour with your ramblings. It wasn't your Star Trek rant that annoyed me. In fact, well, then you're, you and I disagree, Kyle Avery. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'll probably see the new movie as well. What made me want to yell at you through my computer was you ran about R2-D2 being the greatest starter. I disagree with this point, although it is a valid one. But you don't have to take up nine minutes of the show. That's right, I counted. To detailing every freaking minute of R2's screen time from the movies. He's awesome. I love R2. But does he blow up the Death Star? No. Does he sac sacrifice himself to Luke? No. I could go on and on. But I don't want to be like you and rub my point in people's faces. What I'm trying to say is that long after I got your point, you were still trying to get it across. Now, I wanted you to get on with the rest of the podcast already. I'm pretty sure this is the Clone Wars podcast, not my holy shrine to R2-D2 podcast. So try to stay on topic. That's from Kyle. So there you go. So that's that's my first piece of official hate mail. And uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say to that because I hold by it. R2-D2 is the main character of the Star Wars saga. He's the only one who remains unchanged throughout the entire series. And, uh, and I'm sure that I'm just making Kyle more and more angry by going over these points again. So, uh, so he... Let me tell you something. Can I respond to Kyle? Okay, you can. Okay, I mean, because, like, you know, this is what I like to do sometimes is just respond to people's hate mail. <laughs> okay. Kyle, I totally agree with you. I was so ticked off listening to Michael rant and rave about R2-D2. I mean, because, for real, what's he got? He knocked C-3PO off a of cell barge in, in Return of the Jedi. Whoop-de-doo. You know, after I'm sorry, after he um, after he opened the door on Cloud City, he was pretty much useless at that point. The rest of the saga, he launched Luke's lightsaber to him. After that, he was useless in in Return of the Jedi. So you know, I'm with you. I'm with you, Kyle. I don't I don't know what to say. I uh, I have no defense because I I kind of got caught up in that in the last episode where. Or I was trying to point out how useful R2 was in all of the movies. I... Oh, R2's the bomb. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> R2 is amazing. He is amazing. Yeah, I had someone get in touch with me, and they were like, how in the world could R2 get that restraining bolt off? I didn't think he was able to move. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, we've seen in canon in, in Star Wars Episode Four that R2 can rock back and forth at least yeah. when he does it. And that's what he does on the ship is he rocks himself back and forth over that corner much like a bear scratching its back and knocks that restraining bolt off. Yeah, well, because Luke doesn't do much more than grab, like, a screwdriver and pop the thing off. 
and just pop it off. Yeah, yeah. it's it, you get the idea that it's kind of magnetic yeah. more than anything. Yeah. It's magnetized. Yeah. And so, and so for him to do that, I was like, that's yeah, that's easy for him to do. R two knew what he was doing. There you go, because R two is awesome. He is awesome. He's much better than R three. That's for sure. Oh well, let's be honest though. R three was pretty sneaky. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't very smart because he got caught, and then R two beat him. That's all. That's all there is to it. That was and that was an awesome fight, little sumo wrestling yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so that was my first piece of hate mail. Although I don't know because I you know I finally picked up a copy of Sci Fi now and uh, mm-hmm. of the the issue with uh, with my review in it and. Uh, and I, I, you know, I'd gotten, I was misinformed. I was told that my review was three out of five, and it was in fact two out of five. And uh, and they weren't too happy with me. They're actually they 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 dogged on me pretty well because I've said before it was the Force Unleashed special episode, which has nothing to do with the rest of the show, uh, and and is really right. not a good gauge of of my weekly episodes. And I'm sure that my my listening audience would agree, but I. Uh, but they they got mad at me specifically because I said to uh, if if because I was reviewing the Force Unleashed for the PlayStation Three because that yeah. that was the only one that I right. I had available to play um, and they right. they they were criticizing me for for giving people other places to look for video game reviews which I just thought that I was being a nice guy doing a service to the internet community and you know throwing some people. IGN's way. I'm sure that they're not mad at me. If they reviewed podcasts, I'm sure they'd be like, episode three of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast was the best one because we got mentioned like three times. So, you know, I think Sci-Fi Now is just mad because I... Do you really think you have more listeners than IGN has hit? <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely think that IGN, yeah. No, I I see your point. I No, I totally agree with your point. These guys at Sci-Fi Now... You know, you are now part of a club with myself and Derek and I think even Graham over at 10th Wonder mm-hmm. that have been reviewed by Sci-Fi Now and been given poor reviews. They they just, I don't know what they look for in a podcast. You know what podcast they gave five stars? The Paramount Podcast, which just basically releases movie trailers. There's no commentary on the movie trailer. There's no, hey, there's no host saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's what's coming up. or You know, it's just, here's a movie trailer. And... Um, I got to say that's not much of a podcast mm-hmm. to me, you know, and and so I I'm not a fan of Sci-Fi Now's podcast reviewing staff, and I have heard Sci-Fi Now's podcast. They have a podcast, Michael. Yes, I've heard this. And I'm going to tell you something, Ark Wolf. I'm going to tell you something, Cohen. <laughs> it, it's not a good one at all. I I run and and excuse see. I'm on, I'm feeling you right now because I've been there with you mm-hmm. where you're at, and I want to know I want you to know that I run circles around these guys on the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean serious business. Okay, I, it was the most boring, ridiculous. You run circles around these guys on the microphone. It is the most boring, ridiculous piece of trite that I have ever seen in my life, and. And in, in these, in, I don't know. It's just I, I'm getting all frustrated for your sake right now, <laughs> because I feel like you, you've you've worked hard to try to put together a quality show, and I don't appreciate them dogging on it, especially for saying, "Hey, here's the information I have, and this is the game I'm reviewing." 
I'm sure the game, the story doesn't change, but gameplay might. If you have a Wii or an Xbox 360 or even a PlayStation 2, go check out IGN to find out what they're saying about this particular thing because I generally agree with them. There's nothing wrong with that. You did a service, sir, and I commend you and I applaud you. I'll, uh, I'll insert some uh, some some canned applause right here. So, yay! And I give you... <laughs> I give you five stars out of five. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I give you five stars out of five, sir. So All right. So there we go. Now we're we're there both five star podcast yeah. hosts and screw you. Sci fi now can now. put that in their magazine and That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you're almost half perfect. Almost half perfect, yes. Almost half perfect. You know, because if that were out of 10, it would be 4 out of 10, which isn't too bad. That's right. There you go. So that's the way I look at it. And uh, and Hello, I, it's Adam. a badge of honor because obviously I listen to your podcast and I listen to a lot of different podcasts and I've read some of their other reviews and, uh, and they tend to be pretty negative. And I think that, uh, I mean, I think the magazine as a whole, I've never really read their magazine previous to picking this one up. But I, I started reading articles. I mean, I started at the beginning of the issue and started reading articles because I was like, I paid for it, so I might as well read it. And uh, and they were just really negative about everything. And they even had in one of their articles one of their writers commenting about something that they liked. And, and like in, in parentheses, it said, yes, we do actually like something here at Sci-Fi Now. And I was kind of like, well, there's my vindication that they're just a bunch of crotchety old curmudgeons well, you know what that means that might that must mean that they absolutely love us and they just can't be nice about it there you go they're just they're just jealous that's what it is they're just jealous because we're awesome and they're so you got hate mediocre. mail and and a crappy review in sci-fi now yeah You're having a great week yeah there we go so so i'm not as universally appealing as as everybody else who listens seems to think and uh that that makes me feel better in an odd way strangely comforting so that that's our that's the uh the mail for this week and uh and that leads us into next week's episode description and next week's episode is called the cloak of darkness or as i like to call it the girl power episode because this one Mm. is all about ahsoka and luminara and dolly and and their girl powerness as they defend uh, their ship against Asajj Ventress, who is also female, and uh, the the really cool part about this episode is that it's being written by Paul Dini, which I, for those of you who don't know, Paul Dini was uh, one half of the team that brought us Batman the Animated Series, along with Bruce Tim, who was the the illustrator, and uh, and they brought us Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Superman the Animated Series and later on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as well as Batman Beyond and holy smokes Paul Dini has such a huge list of great things that he's been a part of uh, well the the whole the whole Justice League Superman the Animated Series and Batman the Animated Series is called by comic fans the Diniverse yeah um, the, he was the top you know dog writer he and Bruce Timm um, on these shows and he's doing an act, he's doing an outstanding job in detective comics right now just to get off of Star Wars a minute. Yes, he is. Uh, he's he's writing detective comics and detective comics has been a great read. So he is yeah, t- to have him on board and now do you know if he's a re- if he's going to be a regular writer for the show? I don't know. There was only the one article, the one that actually you pointed me in the direction of Steve yeah. uh, that that I've read that I've been able to find about this. 
and uh, and it re- he really just talks about this episode specifically, and uh, and I don't even because I'm pretty sure that this episode is going to sort of take up where where uh, Bombad Jedi left off with Newt Gunray yeah, yeah. Uh, in the hands of the Republic, and this storyline about Newt Gunray is actually going to make its way across three episodes. So, uh, oh, wow, Cloak of Darkness, and then the two subsequent episodes. Um, which will actually be ending with, with the uh, the Kit Fisto episode after that one, I think, uh, which isn't directly related, but is coming on the heels of because they're they're searching for Grievous or something. I I was reading online at one point that that the next few episodes are kind of all connected and it's a little bit more uh, serialized, so a little bit more like something like Smallville or Supernatural or or the sort of the one hour. Uh, more yeah, drama yeah. episode uh, TV shows where one episode sort of flows into the next. Um, well, I didn't realize that Paul Dini was writing this episode, and I think it's huge that they have him on, even if for just this one. Definitely, he he has shown himself to be an outstanding talent, and to have him now lend his talents to the Star Wars universe is exciting yeah. to me. So I will just read the description. This is the description from StarWars.com. Why don't you do that? And it is Ahsoka and Jedi Master Luminara escort captured Viceroy Newt Gunray to trial, unaware that Count Dooku has dispatched his deadly apprentice assassin Asajj Ventress to free the prisoner and eliminate the Jedi. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, definitely. I... I really am. Uh, and this is this is not the series debut of Luminara and Dolly because she actually made a little cameo in uh, during the the Malevolence stories. I think is that it. Oh, did she? Yeah, she was. She was on the on the 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 hologram. Maybe it wasn't that okay. way. It was, maybe right. it was a different episode. But she at, at one point, Ahsoka tries to call for backup, and and Luminara yeah, soon as she yeah. can. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, but this is the first episode that will feature her, and and we'll see a little bit more of her. And it's really one of the first uh, chances for us to see her in action because. Oh she's... sure, yeah, yeah. Well, and we get to see Ahsoka. Looks like she's going to get to face down yes. Asajj again, Asajj of interest, and we haven't seen that since the yeah. movie. Yeah, and and under a different Jedi Master, which is going to be interesting to see. To see how her character changes once again, because she was, she was even different in the presence of of Plo Koon, uh, during the Malevolent Saga. So it'll be interesting to see her yeah. in the presence of a Jedi Master who's. And this is this is one of the things that was in one of the Paul Dini articles that I was reading that that Luminar is a little bit more by the books than than some of the other Jedi. So it's sort of polar opposite yeah. of Anakin, and we'll see how Ahsoka fits up with that. And, see see how she relates so it's a really it'll be a really interesting look at the characters as well as i mean if you've watched the preview it looks like it's going to be a pretty action-packed episode so so i'm pretty excited about that and that'll be airing this friday which will probably actually be tonight not tonight that we're recording but tonight this episode goes up oh you, you freaked yeah, me out yeah. there for me uh, i'm 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 predicting the future that this episode's probably going to go up on friday uh, which I had w- one of the comments on the website was, why do you keep apologizing about the episodes coming out late? Because they always come out on Friday. Why don't you just say that they're going to come out on Friday? Because we all just listen to it before we watch the show anyways. Mm. So 
if that's the case, mm. if if that if if the rest of you agree out there, just let me know and I'll stop pretending like they're they're late and he'll uh, stop and acting just, like he cares. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and release them on Fridays, and and I'm sure you guys will be happy that I'm not being so apologetic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's the episode for this week. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our username is Clone Wars. You can head over to Facebook and join our group, which we're still only at 50 members, and I want to get that up to 100. Uh, and you can email me at mcohen, that's M-C-O-H-E-N, at clonewarspodcast.com, and, uh, and I'll probably read your, your mail on the air, or on, I guess it's not on the air, just on the podcast, on the recording. And uh, and that's our episode. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, I'd love Steve. for people to check out. If you don't already know Geek Out Loud, you can find me at geekoutonline.com. That's where my blog is. And uh, the podcast you can find at geekoutpodcast.com. And I also, for those of you who may be Smallville fans, I get to host uh, the premier Smallville podcast on the interweb with my good buddy Derek. Um, actually, he lets me be a co-host on that show and that's at smallvillepodcast.com and if you're into the terminator the sarah connor chronicles television show uh, that airs on monday nights right now on fox soon be airing fridays on fox we started a podcast about that called sky next and you can find that at skynextpodcast.com would love to have you guys check it out especially geek out loud the official podcast of geekoutonline.com there you go you know you actually end up getting plugged pretty much every episode uh, oh, good. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, 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 at some point or another, I end up mentioning uh, Geek Out Loud because it is one of my favorite podcasts on the internet. And if any of the people who listen to Frontlines don't already listen to Geek Out Loud, they really should be, because otherwise I'll be mad at them. <laughs> otherwise, you'll send them hate mail. Yeah, exactly. I will somehow find out and send you hate mail. Nice. <laughs> That's the episode for this week. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I will see everybody next week. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for being on, Steve. It, uh, it made thanks it, for having me. I appreciate it. It made it much more interesting than just talking about Jar Jar by myself. Well, so, uh, you know, hopefully we did him justice. Hopefully. Hopefully. We've converted some people out there. All right. Well, that's it. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.